Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have KB Boyce, co-founder and co-director of Queer Rebel Productions. KB performs in XDLEGIT, an Oakland-based sci-fi soul musical and experimental media act. They also perform in Homobiles uh, on drums. And we're here to talk to them about the re-release of Nasty Facts' first EP. Left for Dead Records is reissuing the long out-of-print, highly collectible, sole release of Nasty Facts, Drive My Car. Um, so that's available on Left for Dead Records. You can get the re-release. It's a three-song single, and it's really, really catchy. KB hasn't stopped playing music, has not stopped playing bass or drums, and it's found themselves in a lot of different projects. Um, as of now, KB is doing a rock opera called The Red Shades. It's a trans superhero rock opera, right? And they found, they found themselves in a lot of cool opportunities to give back to the trans, queer, LGBTQ community. And they continue to do that work. And we get into that in the conversation. We're going to listen to uh, Get To You off Nasty Facts Drive My Car. I see you now, my hair is all over town. I see those other girls putting you down. I mean, now you better run for cover. Cause I'm going to get you before the day is over. To hear you loud and clear, girls, I get no satisfaction if you're not near. I doubt the number and what did I get? A busy single and deeper in debt. Deeper in debt. Get to You, Drive My Cars EP, re-released on Left 4 Dead Records. If you go to leftfordeadrecords.com, you can get your own copy today. Um, and yeah, this was a really insightful, fun conversation, and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Before I do that, if you can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on one of the podcast platforms, if you dig what you hear, it helps me keep talking to cool guests and sharing their insight with you. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with KB. Had a show last night. So. Oh, yeah? <clears throat> Yeah. Nice. Yeah. How'd it go? Oh, it went great. It went great. I'm uh, part of the pit band in a musical that's happening here in the Bay Area. And uh, so this was our second weekend of shows, and it's been going great. It's been going fantastic. Is that Yeah. Um, have you done pit gigs before? They're like, they're, it's a different, it's a different You know what? I, it? It's a very, very different situation. I have not done this type of work since high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just got uh, I got asked to uh, to be in uh, to do the uh, bass 
for this thing and uh it's paying pretty well and it's a very cool community uh type of community building event it's uh very in your face uh trans it's a trans superhero yeah rock opera exactly that's so So, sick yeah it's it's out of control it is so good and people are loving it and uh, you know but it's it's like you know we're we have one more week of uh, the run, and uh, it's just very hard to get to sleep afterwards. Everyone's all hyped up, and you know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. good times though. So that's awesome. Well, so yeah, let's get into yeah. it. Let's get into it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so the go the go off like the the list I was sending you, and I think that plays off since you haven't done a gig yeah. like that since high school. When did when did yeah. music become yeah. your form of expression? What was that like in your family? Ah, well, you know, yeah, growing up, I uh, was super blessed. My mom and my dad uh, were musicians. And even though I didn't realize this until I was a teenager and found out because they didn't tell me, (laughs) my mom had been in my dad's band. My mom had been, uh, my dad had a swing kind of thing. He played piano. He was a band leader. He had a swing band with horns and the whole nine yards and my mom was uh like you know the female vocalist at the front of the stage in a gown type thing and uh so i grew up with my mom just constantly singing in the house and music was just a very natural thing it was just like that just part of life you know and i got into you know i was just always singing with mom and i tried to my mom tells the story i tried to build myself a guitar yeah. Like out of a, yeah, out of a broomstick and a tambourine and some rubber bands or something. And I was like, look, Ma, I made a guitar. And she's like, how? Oh. And she was like, yeah, she went and got me an acoustic guitar because I apparently was into it, you know. But that's when I was really young. And uh, so I guess that's where it all started, you know. And then uh, as far as nasty facts, now, Brad and Jeff were the two guys that started that band. And I met them, I think they had been together for a minute when I met them. But let me tell you, they weren't, we weren't called Nasty Facts then. They were called uh, Pandemonium and it was a cover band. And that's when I met them. They were playing like Kiss songs and, and, and like Bowie songs. And like, it was a, it was a cover band, you know, it was like just some kids playing covers. We, and uh, I, I joined up with them and, uh, eventually we started writing our own music and you know then the rest kind of happened um, so what was the gap yeah. with like uh getting from a, a acoustic guitar that your mom got you to a bass uh, yeah. well let's see the the real story of that is and this is kind of funny i um i had a crush on this young woman uh, that went to my grade school high school because I've known all these guys, Brad and Jeff and Genji, since grade school. Not, you know, so really young. But uh, but they, Brad and Jeff had a, another bass player before me. And that kid's older sister was a hottie. And I had a crush on her. And so, and her boyfriend played bass. And her little brother played bass. Now, what happened was they wound up moving to a new city. And, you know, so all of a sudden... Brad and Jeff didn't have a bass player and I didn't have my crush anymore. We were all just like sad. And <laughs> I ran into them at school at lunch one day and they were looking sad and I was looking sad. And I was like, what's wrong with you guys? And they're like, we don't have a bass player anymore. And I was like, Oh, and I thought to myself, well, I play bass. I said, although I didn't. And I went home. I swear, this is true. I went home. I was like, mom, what's a bass? I need one. I'm going to be in this band. And my mom, being an amazing woman, the woman she was, she actually got this. She took me to a pawn shop, you know. We rescued yeah. a bass and a and a like a an amp, a Kalamazoo amp. That was the brand name. Hilarious. I had a yeah. Harmony bass and a Kalamazoo amp. And she talked the, the pawn shop guy down to like a hundred bucks for both. And we took it home. And that that's how it all started. And like I said. Pandemonium was a cover band at that moment. So Brad and Jeff were like, oh, you if you play bass, just 
learn these songs and they gave me a copy of like kiss alive the album the <laughs> yeah. double album yeah, yeah, yeah. swear to god and i went home and i learned hella hella kiss songs and i thought i was the shit because i was like wow i can play all of this not realizing you know kiss is like three chords right yeah come on so but it, it was good for me it was good for my ego i was like yeah i'm really good at this bass thing this is great but anyway that's how it all started with, awesome. with those guys i think it's pretty fun <laughs> Kiss has like a, they have like a, especially I've, I've talked to someone else about the live album as well as like someone who learned all their guitar chops from, from like the licks that uh, Ace Freely was doing. And there's something about how that. Music Dude, seriously, seriously. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the, the songs are simple, but they're simple and, and really good. Just so catchy. And so, I don't know, you just get into it and, you know, it helps that it, that, Kiss Alive, that album being a live performance. I mean, you really feel the energy of it all. It's just, and at that age, for me, it just grabbed me. It just pulled me in. I was just like, yes, this is cool. This is what I want to do. You know, so, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, and I think that's what's so important about bands like that. Is it, mm -hmm. you know, and they're fun and like you can get behind exactly. a pentatonic scale because now it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, for real. For real. Uh, so, so, okay, so you're playing bass and you're learning these covers. Um, and, yeah. And did, before, like with guitar, were you reading music or anything or were you just playing? Not on your really. Own? Okay. I was just kind of, I, I do pretty much everything on my own. I've self taught everything. Although I did. Uh, in my really young years at school, they, they put me in, uh, I, I think every musician winds up starting playing the recorder. Right. I started playing the freaking recorder. No, but seriously, like Baroque music is what they got me. They had me doing Baroque recorder. In fact, the guy, the headmaster of my school wanted me to go to Oberlin to, to do Baroque recorder when I graduated from high school. And I was like, ah, that's not going to happen. Dude. I'm sorry. That's really not going to happen. Baroque's got but yeah, so, movement too. Like the, yeah, you know? absolutely. But that was not where I was at at right. 18. <laughs> I mean, Nasty Facts had put out the record and uh, I was just in a whole different headspace. It was not about Baroque. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Baroque recorder <laughs> was not, yeah, no, no. Um, Beautiful stuff, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's stuff that, that's a later appreciated thing too. Um, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. So, like, so what was the first gig? Was it with Pandemonium and was it covers? Yeah, okay. you know, yeah, with Pandemonium, we started. We actually got something, something like a monthly during the summer, a monthly uh, gig on. <clears throat> where the heck was that? It was out near where the Amityville house was in Long Island. We got this like gig <laughs> yeah. playing at this kids like a party for the kids on whatever that is, Long Island, Fire Island. I can't remember so long ago. But we would go out there. Uh, one of our parents would drive us out with our gear, and we'd set up at this rec center and play with like this, these kids out there, probably to get them out of their parents' hair for. A night, you know what I mean? But they paid us. That was, I think, one of the first paid serious gigs that was like a recurring gig. Uh, and it was all, we did covers. It was all covers, right? And uh, eventually we we had some friends who, well, kind of friends. They were a little older than us, but they were playing at Max's Kansas City and stuff like that. And we were like, hey, how do you guys play at nightclubs? We want to do that. And they, <laughs> they said to us, well, first, you've got to learn how to write your own songs. <laughs> and being little kids, we were just like, oh, cool, thanks. And we went home and started writing songs. We didn't realize they were totally dissing us. Like, you gotta learn how to write your own songs, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we actually did go home and start writing. And then uh, we made a little demo. Um, and it kind of took off from there. You know, we just, we were so young and unaware of how, challenging life is it was just like we just walked into a lot of things we were in the right place at the right time at least that's how i feel right i feel like i was in the right place at the right time for many things <laughs> and uh so yeah that's that's what's up so well no that makes sense because with a lot of that you know like there's so there's books on how this how to write songs and how the how the you know what i mean like is a lot so right. much of it is the right people 
and putting it together and someone else hearing it right when it's available. There you them, go. You exactly. Know? And that's exactly. uncontrollable. Exactly. Uh, it's completely beyond your, out of your hands. And uh, yeah, we, like I said, I feel like I was a really, really incredibly lucky kid back then uh, for many reasons. You know, but yeah. The, 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 the punk rock thing saved yeah. my life. Yeah. I'm just saying. It really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, as a young, you know, out queer, like I knew I was trans, I knew I was queer, I knew a lot of things that I didn't really understand because I was too young to understand what was going on. But, but I was at that age where, you know, if I walked, and I, and I grew up in Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn, mm. right? And I, if I'm walking around my neighborhood back in those days, uh, I was at that changing point in my life where people were looking at me and they were going, are you a boy or are you a girl? What, what is that? What is, and then I just started getting a lot of aggro energy as I was in my hood. And, uh, but then punk rock happened and I was all about it. And folks would look at me after that and look at me walking down the street in bed sky and they just go, oh, no, that was crazy. Don't even fuck with that. Just just leave them alone. And we don't know what that, you know, we don't know what that kid's thinking. Just don't mess with it. So people stopped messing with me. And I, yeah. for that reason, punk rock saved my life. That alone, but, but just the energy of it and the excitement and getting to, getting to play at Max's Kansas City and CBGB's almost on the monthly because Hilly and Pete uh, from those two clubs really treated us like, we were their kids or something. They just, they loved us. They treated us well and, and rebooked us all the time, you know? That's so amazing. it was pretty wild. Yeah. And I was like 15, 16. I was the one getting us the gigs and making sure we got paid. Yeah. And I don't even know where I got that knowledge from. I guess it kind of, I got it osmosis from my parents, but they never talked about the music. Mm. So I didn't really learn that business stuff from them. I just somehow knew that that had to happen and did it you know yeah it seems like it seems like you really had a a keen understanding of yourself especially at that age and like found like it, what that's so cool about what about the punk and the punk scene it's like it's inclusive like it, they you, you know what i mean like everyone's yeah, welcome absolutely. there to do their thing and like yeah, yeah. finding that and that's so critical at that time it really was. I mean, those were different days, though. And, I, you know, although I felt like it saved my life and it really did help me out a lot on a lot of different levels, but still, I was one of the only queer or trans type punks I knew. I was definitely one of the only punks of color that I knew. Mm. Uh, so I, I, even though I felt like the sense of community with the freaks, I felt like a freak among the freaks. So I still felt kind of, you know, out of the loop, but uh, still it, it really did help me get through a lot of stuff. And, right. Yeah. So like, yeah. well, and, and I imagine that when we get to, when we get to talk about queer rebels in the road in this conversation, I imagine that oh, yeah. that void is a big part of what queer rebels is trying to like, it absolutely is. Get keen eye. Get on you. I, I, you know, back then, back in the Nasty Facts days, I remember thinking, man, I wish I could find some other black punks, other black punks. I found other black kids who were playing uh, rock and playing music that wasn't what was expected of us. Like they weren't in funk bands, they weren't in jazz, band, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of the, those few black, handful of black folks, we, were, we knew each other because we were the freaks. We were like, not, we were doing something that most folks were not doing back then, especially. And so I, I became a part of the Black Rock Coalition and Vernon Reed was a big part of, uh, you know, just uh, having somebody, uh, having people around who kind of understood where I was coming from although none of them were queer or trans or anything like that. But, um, yeah, it was definitely, it was a challenge. It was challenging to, to do what I was trying to do. But, again, I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, I got so much out of being in that 
seen, you know, and, and I learned so much about everything, life, music, you know, uh, everything. A lot, lots, a lot. It was a long time ago, though. It was a really long time ago. So it's kind of funny to me to be talking about those days, you know. It, it is, yeah. it's, it's weird to, like, look back on anything and to think about sure. how profound it is because when you're doing it it's just happening you know absolutely you're just right there in the middle of it you're not thinking about it you know but those yeah. are so defining down the line so like what other bands mm -hmm. were you guys playing with was was like nasty uh, we, playing with? well yeah we were playing with a lot of times uh club owners would try to book us with either bands that had someone else of color or bands that had some younger folks. So we played with ESG. Uh, we played with uh, the Stimulators a lot because Harley, you know, Harley, who is uh, right now Cro-Mag, uh, was their drummer back in the day. And he was like 11 years old. And we were like, you know, between 12 and 16 years old. So we played with the Stims a lot. We opened for the Bad Brains and that changed wow. my life. Yeah. Just watching the bad brains do their thing when i we were just starting to play clubs and we got that gig and yeah, yeah. that changed my life big 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 time i just love the bad brains love the bad brains super inspiring i mean they're so good they were right. so, so tight you know oh, wow so they yeah Being yeah part of that band holy cow <laughs> yeah yeah when you're a little kid being, yeah. you know getting to open for them was wild it was wild yeah <laughs> Oh, that's sick. Like um, I said, we were in the right place at the right time. Very lucky kids. Very, very, very lucky kids. And I'm aware of it. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I'm super aware that I was lucky as hell. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Um, did you, did you inter interact with the, the guys from Bad Brains at all during that show? Or was it kind of just like they play? It was, a, <laughs> it was a really quick, yeah, exactly. It was a really quick night. You know, we were just the opening act. So, yeah. no, nah, we didn't really. But later, later in life, I actually went on a, a short tour with a different band opening for the Bad Brains um, uh, for, yeah, a, a, like Midwest. It was like a Midwest tour. I think we got as far as maybe Chicago or something like that and then back to the East Coast. But, yeah, the Bad Brains have always been a big part uh, of my coming up, you know. I just, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. What, what band was that? Oh, that was a band called, it wasn't my band. I, I was sitting in for a bassist who had gotten pregnant. It was a, it was a band called Scab and they were out of New York. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, and that, that, that was also with the adolescents, the California yeah. band. I think, yeah. Yeah. So it was Scab, Adolescence and Bad Brains. That's a, that's a banging lineup. <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty funny pretty funny tour it's kind of messy yeah, well, <laughs> I, messy, I imagine but, it... <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, like, yeah what a, and also the luck out on bass because everyone needs a bass player you know i was just talking about that last night i was just talking about that like if you're a good bassist you can get work everybody plays guitar right but a good bass player a good drummer and those are the gigs i get the most right now i also play drums and i play yeah. guitar but um I get, I'm playing drums for a band called the Homobiles right now. I'm playing bass with the Red Shades and a couple of other groups who've had folks who couldn't do a tour or couldn't do whatever. And, you know, if I dig the music and, and the pay is right, I'm in, you know, so I'll, you know, I, I just, I get hired to do extra things here and there and it's side hustles you know but right right my main gig right now is queer rebels is my production company and that's what i i got in sidetracked i was when i was a kid i remember thinking i wish there was a way to meet other folks of color doing this type of music and i wanted to start my own production company as a teenager i'm thinking about production companies right weird <laughs> but true and here i am now i and in 2008 i started with my ex-wife, uh, Queer Rebel Productions, and we are, in fact, that production company I always wanted when I was a kid. So I'm living the dream, living the dream. You know, that's pretty wild. That's that like do-it-yourself attitude and like absolutely that again. Yeah, punk rock saved right. my life at so many levels. You know, and yeah, 
it's, it's, kept, it's helped me to keep the attitude that I can do what I need to do, even though other folks might not understand what I'm doing. And that's not my problem. I need to do what I have to do. And that's what I, that's something I got from punk rocks. Like I got to do this because this is me. This is what I need. Screw you. <laughs> you know, right, right. I don't care what you think I'm supposed to be. I'm going to do this. That's incredibly so. important though. And like, that's yes, exactly. not an easy exactly. mentality to get. No. And I, like I said, we were really lucky because we were just at that age, that point in your life where you're so intense about everything and that's when punk rock popped up and i was just like all yeah. about it like intensely about it and intensely about playing bass and you know yeah pretty so, wild so when did when did you pick up drums you know it was around the same time i started playing yeah. bass i i started, the thing was because we rehearsed at genji at the drummers nasty tracks drummer genji's parents let us practice in their basement so all of our gear was there set up so if we weren't playing together i would be like hey Genji, can i hit your drums for a minute you know and he'd be like, yeah sure whatever so i would play the drums you know and like i had a guitar at home so i play you know i wrote the nasty facts songs on an acoustic guitar at home and would bring them in and play them on bass for the, the guys but that's i just started like i said i'm self-taught i just any chance i would get to sit on somebody's instrument i would do it and that's the rest is history, as they say. I just love music. And I'm very blessed and lucky that I come from my mom and pop who are super talented folk, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty lucky that I'm able to, that I was able to just pick up stuff and, and teach myself to, right. to work it out. Well, but, it, you know, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, for a lot of people, it's so hard to 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 do something mess it up and be like oh i just gotta do this and keep doing that to get it right you know to have that that right, auto correction right. and that determination that right. i can get it you know right well part uh, 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 something that was helpful in that regard like i didn't worry too much about being perfect at anything because punk rock right you know what i mean yeah. it was like the freedom that's what that's what got me it's like this, this amount of freedom that you that is a possibility uh, as being a punk rocker, especially back in 1978, 79, when punk was like, nobody knew what the fuck that was, you know, no one knew what this was. They just thought we were all crazy. Yeah. Uh, it was literally a different world back then. It was really different. And so for me, it was like, it was a pride thing to be able to just like stand up, just be myself, you know, like, I also went through, I was an intense kid where I was like, I don't understand why these performers and TV actors or movie stars who you can look at them and see they're gay, but they won't come out because right. then people are going to say they're gay. I'm like, well, if you come out, you're saying you're gay. So who cares what other people say? And I, I just didn't understand. It was so frustrating to me. I just wanted to be out and about and do my thing. And I, I was a little kid, so I didn't get the, the, that there's so much to keep us down and keep us from feeling that freedom and that power, you know. Yeah. But I was, I was, you know, determined and stubborn like my mama. So <laughs> I was just gonna do what I was gonna do, and here I am, still doing it, you know. That's amazing, though, and like, and then the jump into this production company and the keep keep growing these different avenues and i'm sure along the way of just you being you there's people around you that opened up and became themselves because of what you've done well thank you for saying that i appreciate that that i've had some amazing success stories come out of queer rebel productions like we have we have performers who worked with us when they were just beginning and now they're like in new york doing the thing they're on you know npr or whatever they're on all kinds of they're just doing it and I, i'm super proud and i'm just here to support the youth really queer rebels is an intergenerational arts organization so it's all about getting folks who are emerging artists and folks who have been doing it for a while and creating a space for them to work together because uh, we can learn from each other, you know, we really all got to learn from one another. And uh, so that's kind of where Queer Rebels is at. We're, 
where you know we we do live events we i now have a um, residency program i'm trying to teach younger folks about the art world and about about getting grants to fund what it is that you want to do and how to pull together uh, and produce events shows all all of the things all the things so now we have a residency program that's been happening it's it's, it's three years uh long at this point uh we've been doing it for three years and like i said queer rebels has been around since 2008 now and it's my main uh it's my like if, if i if i would have a full-time job it is queer rebels and then everything else is the side hustles you know yeah and the music is I, it's my love i love to play so there you go I, like i said i'm living the dream yeah. i'm pretty lucky and blessed yeah yeah it's incredible um it's in that that course you just described is so important i work at a a nonprofit art gallery in cleveland and uh -huh. the, the grants the putting together the events right that's all stuff right. that's so important to learn it's and, super important yes yes so that's so cool that you can in one one thing that i really admire about queer rebels is how um intergenerational because there's a lot of like stuff that doesn't include like uh, kids coming up or people that have right. already made it so to have that right. cross it that's super important and like super beneficial like i agree i agree and i'm sure that super. was i'm sure that was like kind of a goal from the beginning but was there a point where that that uh that became like or w was that always kind of part of the goal from the beginning is to have this intergenerational um approach it, it, it that, was it yeah. was part of the goal um I started Queer Rebels with my ex-wife, who was 17 years younger than me. Okay, mm -hmm. so we okay. we were intergenerational. She was also Asian, and I'm black, so we're also we had that going for us, and we were very much aware of these differences in the way that society views the like relationships between Asians and African Americans, and older older queers and younger queers, and we just wanted to create a space that made it clear that this is community it's that we shouldn't be making these walls this is community we all need to work together you know it's like if, if you know the man he don't want none of us to make it so we yeah, it's better in numbers we need to be working together to go forward and so that's that's where queer rebels came from basically it was our baby you know so beautiful yeah um one thing I wanted to ask, uh, when, when you're picking up on the drums and playing uh -huh. bass, did that kind of help, like, write certain ways or play certain ways on the bass, playing a little bit um, of the kit and seeing how that fits? Yeah, you know, I probably it probably did. I can definitely say, like, I don't know if I thought about that, but I can definitely say that I, my bass playing was influenced by drummers. I listened to drums intensely. Uh, when I was coming up, I always gravitated like when I'd go to shows, I'd I'd be there watching the drummer for some reason, not the bass player, but the drummer. And my bass, my bass parts were inspired by drummers like uh, Bonham. I just his drumming totally. I loved playing bass along to Bonham's drumming, like listening to Zeppelin. I just, I don't know. There's something about certain drummers that inspired my bass playing <clears throat> and on top of that i do enjoy i really really love drumming myself you know um so really i don't know i listened to uh, i listened to everything i could find uh homemobiles and like ah uh, you know what the only thing uh, i joined the homemobiles a couple of years ago okay right before the pandemic yeah. so there's only one recording of me on drums their old drummer absolutely great great drummer but we're we're very different and we're right now trying to um, get some of uh, the new material because i've started writing songs with homobiles as well we're trying to get into the studio as soon as we can all get some time to make that happen so well, either way yeah, i listened to all of it and like all of it that's on Bandcamp. so from the latest one to the last one and it's all dope <laughs> right right stuff. on well, thanks um, yeah thanks yeah so uh, that. like with with uh with writing do you typically write on guitar and then, like how you're saying, bring it to bass and bring it to the band? Uh, it depends. But for the most part, yeah, it's usually on my guitar. Um, you know, the Nasty Facts songs, I, 
funny story. I wrote all three of the songs on that EP on an acoustic guitar that had three strings because huh. I had yeah. I had top <laughs> strings. I hadn't bothered to put them back on, and I was just sitting around at home with this like piece of an acoustic guitar, and that's where those songs came from. <clears throat> They're all so. so catchy. Those are three really good songs. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, like I said, very, I'm very lucky and blessed. Very lucky and blessed. And, uh, yeah. Well, that's also time. You put in time and that's what comes out. Like, yeah, there you go. So that. When, uh, when, when, so the single was getting picked up on uh, BBC while you guys were still playing. Like, were you aware of that? You know what? I was not aware of that until I saw it in your email. I was like, what? What is BBC? What? And in fact, here's a funny thing. I didn't realize that Nasty Facts had a shelf life until I was, I think it was my 40th birthday. I was working at some club yeah. and my co-workers said, hey, what What were you doing? You know, I was sitting around and it was my birthday, so we were doing shots. Hey, and they're like, what? Well, they're talking about what they did when they were kids. I'm like, hey, what were you doing when you were a teenager? And I was like, uh, well, and I just kind of went to a laptop and I typed in Nasty Facts which I had never done before and pages and pages of shit came up and I was like, Oh, that was me. That's what I was doing. And that's when I found out that we still had a shelf life. I had no idea. Yeah. It had been years, years and years, decades. And I had no clue. I had just been trying to move on live my life, you know, do what I had to do. I hadn't thought about nasty facts in a long time. And now here, all of a sudden here, all of this is happening and it's kind of cracking me up. Like, you know, hey, well, it's bizarre. I think that goes to show if you do something and it's it has all the passion and focus and effort into it, people pick up on that even when you when you move on from that. You know, right, right. It's so, a beautiful thing. Like when know. you hear it now, is it like mm. is it how how is that experience listening to little you and like you know what I mean like yeah you know I I'm very proud of of what we did. And uh, it's a little weird to hear my voice back then because yeah. I sound like Alvin in the Chipmunks. But <laughs> other than that, I'm pretty. I'm really proud of it. I um, I, I also spent some time teaching at something called Girls Rock Camp out here in the Bay Area, and that is a group of folks that teach young kids about music. And we they would we put them together and they form their little bands. By the end of the summer camp a program, which is only a couple of weeks long, we will have had them create a band, get a band name, a logo, they write a couple of songs, and then we, at the end, they perform for their peers at a club here in the East Bay that would let us do a daytime show with underage kids performing on stage with a real sound system and all that. So I... Uh, I'm very proud of Nasty Facts, and I would I would actually play Nasty Facts for the kids because they were about the age that we were with Nasty Facts, just to show them, yo, I'm your age, and this is us. You can do this, you know. So I'm very proud of Nasty Facts. Very proud of that stuff. It's, I, it still sounds good to me. It sounds you know? great. Yeah. Yeah. Still um, sounds good to me. That's that's well, what a cool way to utilize that in that setting because like I teach yeah. too. I think I, I said through the emails and like. Um, it's, it's, you know, I feel kids now are so like kind of aware of everything they say and do. And I think that's good. Yeah. And like, but it's right. also like, it makes a lot of, a lot more anxiety and a lot more like, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I do know. I'm seeing it in the youth for sure. You know, yeah. but girls rock camp was a, is a really amazing, uh, uh, way to kind of cut through and, and, you know, just like give kids drumsticks and guitars and amps and go, hey, turn up. They're like, no, this is too loud. No, no, no. Turn it up. Turn it up. Really. Turn it up. It's okay. Make noise. Be free. You know? That's awesome. It, it is. And it, it, it takes that being fun and not worrying about it. It takes that punk ethos yeah. that, you know, like yeah. trip into younger and like to bring that out later and be okay with it. That's so, yeah. like, you know, yeah. that's so yeah. critical. Um, yeah. Very cool. Again, it, punk rock saved my life because I was at that impressionable age when I got into it. When it happened, when punk happened, I was at that age, and I was stubborn enough that I've never lost that 
feeling, that ethos. I've always been just going to do what I'm going to do. And I really don't care what y'all think. And I, you know, I know I'm a side female at birth, black person, and I'm supposed to be a whatever librarian or a nurse or a teacher, uh, you know, and that's fine. I'm, I'm, I am a teacher in my own way, but I'm not going to be what y'all are telling me I'm supposed to be because fuck you, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah. Right. So, I mean, I'm really lucky and blessed. That's beautiful. That, that was that just that me. is so, so important for people to, to hear and see so they can do it themselves. And that's the that's right. beautiful part Absolutely. of what you do and beautiful part of what punk rock does and beautiful part of what art does, you know? Yes, exactly. Exactly. So about, I, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, I wanted to touch on the musical cause we touched on it at the, at the very beginning. So, uh, right, um, right. the red shades you're in the pit and like, right. that's a completely different style of gig. Because you're you're supporting it what's going on in Colombia, but how did that come out of queer uh, uh queer rebels or people being aware of queer rebels and reaching out? To um, you? How did that come about? Yeah, I you know the funny thing is that the director of the Red Shades was a queer rebel artist way back. His performance queer rebels, but that's not how I got the gig. I got the gig because of the homobiles. Um, the guitarist in the homobiles is also in the red shades and they were a theater person straight up like for part of you know their adult life they were into that kind of thing and so they have those connections you know like that i don't have like i said i hadn't done anything like this since high school right i've been a music a working musician all my life but i went from nasty facts to uh feeling like punk rock had died by 1980 or so you know it was like kind of over back then and I, I, having been spoiled by Nasty Facts, I did not want to work. I wanted to work as a musician. And so I formulated a way to become a session player. And I would pretty much work for anybody who needed a good bassist in the studio or live or whatever. Anything to keep from having to, like, flip burgers, you know? Uh, so that's, that's I, I kind of, I, I went the path of, playing in clubs playing on tours doing that kind of thing and not thinking about musical theater at all it was like the last thing on my mind but this production being such a community-minded amazing piece of uh queer and trans history kind of remade into this really catchy snazzy snappy musical i i had to be a part of it i just thought yeah i'll play bass for that sure you know that sounds great. I'm into it, you know. And the music is good. It's not, you know, it's like a a modern trans rocky horror. It's really fun. It's a lot of fun to play the songs. Uh, Matt uh, Gandhi, I believe, as his last name, wrote the co-wrote the music with Adrian Price, who is the author of the entire thing, uh, The Red Shades. Uh, anyway, the, the, the plot is great. The music is great. The performers they've got are amazing. And I, I feel blessed, again, to be a part of it. You know, really special uh, production. It's very special. That's so cool. Like, when you sent me the, 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 uh, the bit on, in the email, and it was like, a mm. trans superhero rock opera. I was like, holy shit. Right. That sounds amazing. like, what the fuck? <laughs> that sounds yeah. so cool. <laughs> it's dope. It's dope. It's sure. So like, they yeah. kind of uh, pick on some of those session, session like oriented years, diving into that. Yeah. Was that like mostly recording or live sessions that you were doing? Both. Yeah. I, I pretty much worked all the time. I mean, I would get calls at two in the morning. Yo, can you get to the studio? We'll pay you. We'll pay for a cab. Just come down. I'm like, okay, I'm down. You know, because like I said, I didn't want to be flipping burgers. I'd right. rather be up all night playing music. And uh, New York, you can do that. You know. Got it. And was it one central studio that you really, really? No, no, in? no, 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 no. It was just me getting my name out there me saying you know and people knowing about nasty facts helped for sure you know definitely helped so ultimately yeah. we didn't really touch what kind of a uh, wrapped up nazi uh, nasty facts what kind of ended that where everyone moved well on? 
Um, I went off to college. I mean, we were still kind of together-ish when I was in college. We actually played a show at my college, but that was probably one of, if not the last gig we did together. Uh, basically, we all kind of grew up, you know, and 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 moved on. And, uh, yeah, and I left New York, you know, so that 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 all it all kind of just ran its course, I guess, you know. It, we were a kid band. We were kids. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we were adults and it was like, you know, life gets in the way and we moved on. You know? you know, that's that's interesting because like a lot of bands that do kind of start like that, like with when right. a, a, kind of have As that, kids, uh, right, have that dispersed right, where friends. like if adults kind of do it, they kind of go into the band. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of a different mm. point as far yes. as the kids going band out to life. It's like a right. go yeah, right yeah. in the band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we were lucky kids. We were very lucky kids. And being able to practice in the basement of the drummer's house and have our gear just set up and ready to go and being, you know, the, the parents were so cool. I mean, they were just happy we weren't out in the streets of New York getting in trouble, right? We were just in the basement smoking weed and shit. But boy, whatever. They were cool. They were very cool about it, you know? Was it? Hey, well, and just like, you know, it it's all it like you're saying it is all luck, but you put the time in and you you weren't doing anything else. You were in the basement, you know, and that it's, yeah, basically it's in the earn. summertime. Seriously, every day we we practiced every day. We didn't really have a life. We just practiced, and we'd come out, take a break, go outside, and there'd be kids from the neighborhood all hanging out on the stoop listening to us, you know, and it was wild. Yeah. Was it, well, was it well, KB? I really appreciate your time. I have one more question. Um, mm -hmm. So with Queer Rebels, what are some of the future goals you guys are working at? Well, we, every year, there's a thing in the in the Bay Area called the National Queer Arts Festival. And that's been going on, I don't know, 17 years or something crazy. But Queer Rebels has a part in that every summer we do a Queer Rebel Fest. And until Corona, we were doing it live at this beautiful theater in the African American Art and Culture Complex in San Francisco. Um, and now we've been doing our fest uh, online, and that's okay, but I can't wait to get back to the theater and being able to, you know, have that space where youth and elders can hang out together backstage and form new collaborations, and it's, it's pretty amazing to do. But with Queer Rebels, what we're doing is we, we do our fest every year. Throughout the year, we do other events that are either spoken word or uh, we do literary events. We do sometimes we do film screens for experimental films, all queer and trans artists of color made works. So um, that's where we're at. We're, we're going to continue to uh, to grow. We, we the, the um, our residency program has been a huge success and that's going strong we're you know always getting trying to get funding to continue our work and uh it's going pretty well it's it's been going well since 2008 and we're not giving up anytime soon we're just going to keep doing it um and like i said with the residency it's teaching folks how to run a business like this uh, because I'm hoping that I'll find someone who can take my place when I'm not, uh, you know, doing the artistic director thing anymore. When I decide I don't want to do it or whatever, I want, I don't want it to end. I would love for Queer Rebels to continue. So um, that's, that's our goals is to just keep growing and um, keep it strong, keep it happening, you know, and, and be there for our community. We're a community building organization and that's 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 where we're at that's that's what i think about you know is how to make it stronger especially in these times where the right wing is trying to like demonize us like we're monsters and it's like you know come on man we just trying to do our thing you know we're just humans we just want to live like you come on exactly you know? and that's so, the most important yeah. part you know yeah but you know, i think without a doubt what you're doing is going to continue and and grow and thank that's you. i'm i'm very like keep doing the work you're doing that's amazing um, thank you so much I, I have one one question and this might i should but um what would be the best advice from someone who is much younger that you've learned and then someone who is much older ah 
What's that? It is a deep question. Uh, well, from from elder artists, I've learned that uh, really age does not matter. It's like I've seen performers in their 70s and 80s get up on stage and tear it the fuck up and look like a kid again. They look like kids again because they're enjoying what they do so much. And that, you know how in our society, it's like 21 and you're done, you know, you're yeah. old. You know, and I, you know, seeing older folks doing the thing taught me to not stress about getting older. Um, and to, you know, that music, A, keeps you young and keeps you happy. And I will never stop playing music, no matter what. Until I cannot play anymore, I will be playing music. So I learned that from watching older folks. And then with the younger folk, what have I learned? I've learned a lot. I mean, definitely that, um, you know, just that wonder that 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 you have when you're a kid and that like everything is so like wow I didn't know about that and oh my god keeping that uh, trying to keep that in my spirit you know trying to stay excited about new things and um, you know I, I'm also an audio engineer so I've over the years just tried to keep up on technology and, and just just stay ahead of the curve because I've seen older folks not be able to use a computer or a cell phone <laughs> yeah, yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, oh, hell no, that's never going to happen to me. So I try to stay up on the newest things. Uh, and so being able to have the community that I have, which consists of younger folks and older folks, I get input from both sides and that I, I learn a lot from, from both sides, you know, all the time. I'm always learning something new, you know. So it's, and, I, and I think that's important. It's, it's important to always to learn something new every day. I, I really try to do that. You know? Right. And just be open for that. And I think that was very exactly. well said. I think that was very well exactly. said. KB, thank you so much thank for you. your time. I super appreciate this. And this was a fun chat. Thank you. I, I enjoyed the chat as well. Yo, Spike Spiegel here. You just listened to Zig of the Gig Podcast. Keep riding the bebop. See you, Space Cowboy. Bang.